Have you ever wondered how to break the cycle of dysfunction in your life and in the life of your family? Well, we're about to get into that very subject with trainer and speaker, Hoshe Williams Jr., author of Soul Bondage. Let's get into it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Jacob's Seed Podcast. I'm so happy that you've joined me right here. Your boy, Yermiyahu. Listen, you could be doing anything else, as I always say, but you chose to listen to Jacob's Seed Podcast, and that does not go unappreciated. I appreciate it so, so much. Listen, this is a special, special podcast. Uh, you're about to hear an, a phone interview that I did with Hoshea Williams Jr., an author, a speaker, and a trainer. What you want to do right now is to go ahead and share this with five people right now because they will be blessed and they will thank you because you shared this with them. Review this, like this, on whatever platform you listen to this on. Also, um, if you are following me on Instagram, go ahead and click that link in my bio. Um, you can go to uh, my store, purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and all that good stuff um, that rep the 12 tribes and let everybody know about Yahshua. Um, Yah's salvation uh, for his people. Uh, you can find that if you don't follow me on social media. Uh, the link is teespring.com slash stores slash Jacob's Seed 12. Uh, you can find that information. Um, so let's get right into this interview. I don't want y'all to miss any of this. I don't want this to run too long. Uh, it was a great interview. I promise you this is one of the best interviews we've done. It's going to bless your socks off. Here we go. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Jacob Seed Podcast. Um, we have the honor of having um, our brother, Hoshea Williams Jr., an author, speaker, and trainer with us today. Um, how you doing, Aki? Oh, shalom, shalom, shalom. Thanks for having me on, sir. Um, no problem. Thank you for coming on. Um, for the listeners who do not know who you are, tell us a little bit about your background and um, as we all say, how or when did you come into the truth? Um, well, first, first, let me say, brother, I uh, appreciate you giving me a chance to be on. I appreciate what you're doing, you know, with Jacob C. Podcast. Uh, I have all the podcasts that are out there. You are really consistent. Um, listening to your podcast, I can tell that you have a heart for the Messiah, mm -hmm. you have a heart for the kingdom. Um, I mean, I agree with everything you say. But at the heart of everything that you say, I can really still see that you care about the kingdom, the nation, and the most about definitely his people. So I want to say kudos to you, and I appreciate what you're doing, and keep thank you, the thank work. You. Thank you. Um, uh, I also want to just give like um, a shout out to my my wife, you know, of, of 21 years, and you know, the house is real high here in Columbus. Um, Hallelujah. Uh, Castle Gang, Israel Now, other people who uh, support uh, my background. Sir, I was blessed enough to come into uh, the realization of who I was as a person, a nation, and who I was, you know, in the Messiah. Um, I actually was blessed enough to come in through a different channel than most people. 
Usually, mm-hmm. when you talk to people, they say they came in through like the One West movement, they do Army right. 28, all that stuff. And I didn't have that experience. You know, my experience was uh, Pentecostal, well, I call it Christian charismatic. You know, my my mother, she was, uh, you know, doing the congregation thing with my father, and I was playing the drums. And one day she had the revelation that, um, to, to study, you know, something Hebrew, or, and she looked at a book called Talits and Tassels, invited the author in, a guy named um, Dominic Zengler, invited him mm-hmm. in, invited him in to teach, all the way from Georgia. He comes to our little congregation in Columbus, Ohio, um, where, we, where we were located, and uh, he lived loved ones for like three days. I mean, we're eating pork, and we're... we're uh, <laughs> We're not keeping the Sabbath. We're being typical Gentiles around him. And, I mean, we're just doing everything we shouldn't be doing. And he didn't say nothing to us for three days. And finally, on the third day, after just being like a really close uncle to us, he's like, you know, you guys really shouldn't be eating this stuff. You guys really right. should be keeping the Sabbath. You know, and then he goes to Deuteronomy 28, you know. And we had to make those decisions at that point. So... He was, I think he was trained Hasidic. So, um, since he was trained Hasidic, I actually came under a lot of the teachings that he was trained under, and then I mm-hmm. actually came under a lot of other Hasidics. Um, and so we actually came under a movement, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It was, it was at the point it was called, uh, the Two House Movement. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, yes, I have heard of that. Yep. Okay. So, you know, you got the two house movement perversion, you got the two house movement, you got the weird twist two house movement, and, uh, uh, you know, so our two house movement that we came under was, uh, since it was ascetic, but mostly, majority ascetic, uh, messianic believers, it was, you know, you, all you black people are Ephraim, and all us, we're, all us white folk, we Judah. And, you know, you guys are right. the wild ass of a people like the scriptures. And we're just like, <laughs> okay, you know, um, not, you know, <laughs> just being untaught and unlearned, not knowing right. that even in that there was a, a, a tone of a cultural tone of um, superiority. And, you know, mm-hmm. you guys are lesser, you know. Um, and so we came in under two house movement. Then I went to an Asianic school, which was actually one house teaching. So along with the Masonic school, that was a one-house training. And I was like, oh, there's more to the story. Um, so I went from two-house to one-house. And then in the one-house, they teach, you know, there is there's not these two nations. There's only the one nation, and it's us, and it ain't you. I'm like, right. okay. So that's another perspective. Then I was uh, from after going to a, a one-house school, and I actually ended up meeting some um, local brothers here who were um, – who had uh, one West background, you know, had opportunity mm-hmm. to train with them for a while. Um, and then I actually start connecting more dots that way. So I, what most people start, you know, uh, we the people and then try to come into a Messiah thing. I kind of came into whose I was first. Right. And then kind of developed the other, uh, the culture aspects. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and that's interesting because I, I find we have similar backgrounds. So I, I, I'm raised Kojic, all that good stuff and, um, deliverance churches. And, um, I find that the people that don't, 
um, come through the, the One West pathway. Um, not that everybody in One West is unbalanced, but I, I find that the people who come through a different pathway seem to be a little bit more, a little bit more balanced, um, which we need more of that. We need more of you out there, people who are balanced. <laughs> Well, um, I appreciate that. I, I, I noticed there was something different about your, your tone. Your, your heart was different. I mean, I definitely pick up, no, I definitely pick up that you have that nation concern. You're definitely not, um, you don't exclude the nation. You definitely put the nation first. You understand the call mm-hmm. and demand that you have on our, our, our people to, you know, talk to the nation, but it's not aggressive. You right. Know, you, you seem to have a, you seem to have a good balance about yourself. Right. And I was, uh, I give all praises to the most high one and then all the mores that, that have taught me so far who have, who have all come out of that same background. So, um, none of them will come out of the one West, uh, which again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing because we have a lot to do and, uh, they become balanced and they have, we have a lot of assemblies and, um, of that nature who come out of that, that arena. But I find that the ones who don't uh, seem to be a little bit more balanced, um, Walk in the spirit a bit more, have a have a bit more humility uh, when it comes to the, to the scriptures. Um, so, so tell us a bit about your book, Soul Bondage. Give us a a quick synopsis of it, and then we'll we'll start to unpack it. Okay, just like you were saying, uh, you know, you came up Kojic, you know, I came up from that charismatic demonology deliverance ministry as well, mm-hmm. and what was. I think what really turned me on about the Torah, because I think when my family decided, okay, you know, we're going to keep the Sabbath and stuff like that, they came in through like a religious van. It was just kind of like, you know, castles, leads, and got to have your shofar. It seemed more legalistic, and it wasn't really mm-hmm. connecting with my spirit. And, I, and uh, you know, my parents used to tell the story, like, everybody else was, you know, into the Sabbath, and everybody else was doing it, but, you know, you was the, le- you was the last one who decided to come over and do it. It's because it didn't connect with my spirit. And right. I heard a, a teacher, uh, a teacher teach on uh, generational curses according to the Torah. And his angle was so interesting because at the time it connected to my pain. I'm sitting there at a Sukkot in um, Georgia. And uh, the teacher began to talk about you know, the reason why you're struggling with financial instability and start talking about the principles of the Torah that we're breaking, which causes, you know, financial instability. And at that time in my life, you know, we were probably about four or five years married. and We were just struggling mm-hmm. constantly financially. And on the way home, uh, <laughs> you know, we're driving all the way back from Georgia. I said, what did you think about what that teacher was saying? You know, mm-hmm. what we think about what he was saying? She's like, I mean, she's like, I, I guess I understand. I was like, wow. I was like, well, let's let's put the principles to the test, you know. Right. Let's try something. And so we actually start doing the principles, going beyond those, you know, rituals of the religion aspects of it, the the, the pageantry of it. And man, sure enough, once we start applying those principles, we start think, seeing things break free in our lives. And so soul bondage takes a look at some of those principles, not all the principles. But just some of those core principles that could just open up a lot of freedom um, from a Hebrew from a Hebrew perspective. Like when I'm talking to a someone who's Christianese or Christianity, you know, right. I'm gonna teach you know principles. Hey, you, you know, we need to you know discover the the principles, discover the Torah, 
type thing. But when I'm talking to, you know, my Hebrew brothers, I'm going to say, we need to, you know, not just know the principles, we need to get to the spirit of Messiah behind the principles. Right. And so it's a, it's a book, like you said, it's a book that is trying to bring that balance back. You know, so I, I know that I'll be called to individuals who will be, you know, uh, more Christianese at times. And right. even when I go out to my brothers, you know, it's still, there's still a message there for both of them. So it actually just looks at principles, and I picked out just a few core principles that I've been able to, um, you know, discover and go from there from that. Gotcha. Yeah. So what? So so the title of the book is is Soul Bondage. So tell us a bit about what what exactly is um, soul bondage. Okay, so um, soul bondage in its literal. I am literally saying that your being, the being of you as a person, and I go over in, in the book in more detail, um, you as a person can be bound. Now, hmm. soul, we kind of use loosely, but soul right. can be natural and spiritual. And uh, you can physically, physical soul, there's physical soul, and then you have a spiritual soul or as we use the word spiritually, usually when we say soul, people think spiritually, but soul is the substance of everything. It's like it is your person. It's your whole being. Right. Um, and so you could be bound naturally and you could be bound spiritually. And so when I say soul bondage, I'm dealing with those areas of your life where you're bound naturally and the areas mm. of your life where you're bound spiritually. I believe 100% that Father has given us a principle in his Torah to allow us to walk in freedom in those areas, you know, wherever it is. You know, if you're mm. if you're struggling with health issues, which is your natural, if you, you know, there's got to be a spiritual principle there. If you're struggling with something where you're not flowing like you want to flow in the spirit, because I remember if there is an individual out there like me who was sitting there at church week after week, tradition after tradition, sermon after sermon, and still feeling like there's something more, you're bound. Mm. You know? Yeah. If you're not growing, if you're not flowing, if you're not walking in your call, if you're sitting there feeling unpurposed, if you're feeling like you have no destiny, you're in bondage. I mean, you're wow. trapped in the, 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 the tradition and religion of your family or obligation, whatever, whatever it may be, but you're bound, you know? Wow, that's that's good. Um, you you also discuss in your book, um, you say the biggest epidemic um, that we face today is with infirmity. Explain to us exactly what that is. Oh, yeah. That, um, <laughs> that, that infirmity really is, is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, right now, what I'm seeing happen, and this is all across the board, what I'm noticing happening in uh, whether it's Christian or Hebrew movement, I'm seeing individuals who are falling back into their old ways. Um, mm. People falling back into iniquity. Um, I was that individual uh, <laughs> who was calling myself ministering, but still on the side struggling with iniquity or right, doing those right. things I don't want to do, but doing them anyway. You know, secret sins, um, right. sitting under the closet, all that stuff. 
And so what I had to do was say, okay, I recognize Paul shows up lust of the flesh in, in Galatians, but what is causing this iniquity? And when Paul, when Paul talks about infirmity in Romans chapter 6, Say, hey, look, I'm dealing with you according to the nature of your flesh because you have an infirmity, uh, and this infirmity leads to iniquity, and iniquity leads to perversion. I mean, when you start unpacking that, and you go back, mm. when you unpack that, in, in the book I unpack that, and how infirmity, infirmity, uh, infirmness in your flesh is what's causing us to fall into iniquity. He's saying, like, that's the start. That's the point. And uh, when I go out and teach, Brother, I just, I just, I say, hey guys, let's go to Genesis chapter three, and when we look at it, you know, uh, Hava, uh, Eve, mm-hmm. she was completely firm, and she knew what she was called to do, and Hakatan said, hey, are you sure, Father? Either. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and that, and it's every day. It is mm-hmm. every day. It's every day for every single one of us. You know, this question, this, this one little prick comes around, um, that half the time just throws out. It's like, are you sure you're perfect to do this? Are you sure you're supposed to be calling this? Are you sure Father said right. he's going to heal you? And just enough to cause an infirmity. And so, right. um, Paul said it greatly. He, I mean, Paul put it best when he said, hey, look, you really want to break this infirmity thing? You just got to remember what's natural and what's spiritual. And then you have to hate, hate that carnal and love the spiritual. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you know, can, can I challenge you? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, a, I hey, I'm from a competitive family. I love a challenge. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> when he says, when he says, you know, you got to hate the natural, love the spiritual, the challenge becomes this. Mm-hmm. And, there's a there's a there's a concept that Henry Henry Wright teaches um, in his book called Being Health, and it's called emotional and spiritual conflict. Mm-hmm. Emotional spiritual conflict is simple. It's just when your soul, your emotions, your emotions says, "I hate this," but then the other side of you says, "I love it." Mm. It's an emotional spiritual conflict. Now watch this. Let me challenge you. Okay. Christ says in Luke chapter 14, least you first hate mother, your father, you know, <laughs> even right. your old life, right? Because right. you're not fit. Mm. Now, brother, how can I hate my wife? How can I hate my mom and my father? But yet, I'm called to love them. Mm. That's good, yeah. It, it's emotional spiritual conflict. Right. And and so the only way you could get to that place, as Paul puts it, he says, Look, you just have to be dead to it. Wow. You have to be completely dead to it. when you're dead, when you're dead to all those things, your job, uh your family, all these things, he said it doesn't matter. It has no value any longer. You know, it eliminates that value. Hmm. That's good. So, but this is our whole entire life. You know, you go to your job 
and your job be like, hey, completely be invested in us, completely invested in what we're doing, completely be invested, be sold in, sold in to the point where you love them, right? Right, right. <laughs> you know? But then at the same time, okay, I, I can't put my job before my ministry. Right. You know, I love, I, I gotta serve. No man can, no man can serve two masters if you hate one or love the other. Oh. Right. Work because I got to provide for my family. <laughs> emotional and spiritual conflict. And I mean, and there's, there's tons of different examples that we could play around with that. Um, my favorite, of course, is examples like Jacob and Esau. You mm-hmm. look in the mirror and you see a face of a person you hate, but that face is your face. Right. <laughs> Twin brothers. Uh, right. What about, what about, um, what about people who suffer from um, diseases of the soul, like, you know, Alzheimer's and things like that? You know, that, that's rooted back in self-hatred. That means you go to the mirror and you hate yourself. Mm. These are emotional and spiritual conflicts. These are diseases of the soul. These are infirmities. These are sicknesses. And it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. I see people falling out of um, losing their marriages. I see people losing their homes. I see people falling back into, I mean, people are being in their face for like years and just all of a sudden just boom. And, and mm-hmm. uh, let me continue to challenge you. We don't know how long Adam and Hava was in the garden. <laughs> right. We don't know. You're right. You're right. I mean, so we can't even play. Oh, he was in, he was in it for thirty years. That that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> right. We don't know how long they was in the garden. Right. It could have it could have been hundreds of years before Hasatan showed up. We don't know. We don't, don't know. know. But all it was was one little question. All it was was that one little seed. All it was was that one little opportunity of infirmity. And he said, oh, that one little wound, that one little hole in your firmness, and it just, you know, it's an epidemic. Man, that's good. Um, I was actually excited to see, um, and this is a good segue into the next question, excited to see that you talk about functionality and dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that's talked enough. That's not talked about enough in the awakening in this in the Hebrew movement, um, in the Israelite communities about function and dysfunction. And I believe a lot of infirmity and sin and setbacks and stumbling blocks come because, um, as you say, we have embraced dysfunction as function because we don't know what function looks like. Because mm-hmm. uh, whether it's whether it's your upbringing. Um, I know I was raised in this little small country town and um, that doesn't that people think because, you know, you're, you're raised in a farm town. You don't see all the other stuff. I still had family members who were hooked on drugs. I still had um, had to deal with different things as far as sexuality and um, poverty and all these things, trauma and all these different things that you grow up and you think, hey, that's normal, but it's mm-hmm. not. Um, mm-hmm. And you start to embrace those things um, as being functional. When, in, when you're actually swimming in dysfunction. Um, mm-hmm. And you say, uh, in your book, you say, the Torah offers us the function of how our families should be. But since we have left the principles of our forefathers, the dysfunction seems to be what we are familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. Just break down a little bit uh, the difference between function and dysfunction. Um, yeah, uh, I, I use... I use the concept of the um, Jeff A. Benner uh, wrote a wrote a book called the Mechanical Mechanical Torah. 
Yeah, he's he's and, awesome. Yeah. Right. So um in his mechanical Torah, we took an opportunity to um go through Genesis chapter one, two and three and we found those principles, we found the principles of what our original pure state is. Most mm-hmm. people is not gonna disagree whether you're no matter what's your background, most people are not gonna disagree with Eden. And so it's right. kind of it's kind of a good wisdom opportunity, you know, because you go into any house, you could preach Genesis, and you know most people ain't gonna disagree with Genesis. They'll they'll disagree with the whole entire Torah, but right, they let you <laughs> preach Genesis one, two, and three. Right. You know, so keeping it in Genesis one, two, and three, you could say, okay, look, you have the tree of function and dysfunction, not the tree of good and evil. You have the tree of function and dysfunction, and then you can say, okay. Let's unpack what were the characteristics of what Adam and Hava showed us before they decided to take the uh, have a fall in Genesis chapter three. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll throw up a, a you know functional chart showing them the characteristics of man. You know, provide a protective vision and cultivator, and then show those characteristics even in how he acted them out in the garden. Mm. Now. That is such a great um, opportunity and a, such a great angle to teach because you could take that function wisdom. I, I mean, because it's not really, it's not really uh, going any direction far as faith-wise, but you could take that wisdom and you go into any house, you go into any school, you go into any any place and say, "Hey, men, do you know as a man that you're supposed to be?" You know, provide a protective vision and cultivate. Right, right. Hey, Woven, do you know? And then go through those lists of words. Just go through the list of words, the whole list of words. Like, hey, you know, as a nurturer, do you know this is why, you know, when you get hurt, you know, you seem to hold on to it and you seem to feed it. You seem to call wow. it as a, as a, you know, as a, as an incubator. Do you know that, you know, the reason why you stuff stuff is part of your characteristics? Right. Now, it will help us all. I think we we all could, we all benefit from it. I mean, I know I I have, and I continue to. When we constantly remind ourselves, or we um, keep that function before us, mm-hmm. you know, when I handle my wife, I want to remind myself that she's the garden, mm. and the reason why she's producing what she's producing is because me as the husband then has planted that in her. Wow, that's good. Yeah. So in the book, um, like the last part of the book, I go over Numbers chapter fifteen, and mm-hmm. it's, it's really elevated thought. I'm not. I'm not going to say it's not. It is elevated thought. But if you unpack it, it's so it's so valuable. I can explain it very simply, and but it it I can explain it very simply, but it's really elevated thought. In Numbers chapter fifteen. Um, if you're familiar with the verse, he talks about bounds and oaths. Mm-hmm. And I was in a dialogue um, with with my partner over in PA, and we noticed that the father only had certain levels of being able to cancel vows and oaths, and whereas the husband was able to cancel a, a higher level of vows and oaths. Mm-hmm. And our dialogue became, why is that? Why can the father cancel only these many vows and oaths, whereas the husband could cancel these, these, and these. Right. 
So we had to ask ourselves, why? And only thing we came up with was the intimacy that the father has with the daughter is nothing compared to the intimacy that the husband has with the wife. Mm, absolutely. The, right? So once the man becomes intimate with his wife, he becomes one flesh. His mm. soul is becomes ingle So that tells me right there that now as a man, I get to see things that hopefully your father has not seen. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so um, in the book, I talk about how when, you know, you're married and you have your wife and she is completely bound up um, from thousand oaths that she made. And this is sad. I don't, don't want to say it. It hurts my heart to say it, but we're not really marrying women a lot of times in a state of function. Right. It's, it's, true. Like, it, it's rare to get a woman who has not been going through, that has not went through abuse, hurt, and, you know, because we have forsaken the Torah, because we've gotten away from his statutes, commandments, and judgments. Absolutely. A lot of times we're marrying women who, you know, comes in our dysfunction. Right. So as right. a husband, what is my responsibility with this wife now, with this woman now, that has her soul all tied up and locked up, hurt and abused, and maybe some things that I never, I, that we didn't even discuss before we got married, some things that may have happened, I didn't even know happened. Mm. Man. And my job as a husband is to go in, because I'm that visionary, I'm that provider, I'm that cultivator, it's my job to dig through her soul, not no one else's. It's mm. my job to dig through her soul and get to the root of those problems, find the root of those problems, pull them roots up, <laughs> cancel Man. those vows and those. I now have the authority to cancel it. When her father couldn't cancel, you know, what <laughs> Jimmy done to her. Right. We now have the authority to cancel those things. Now, I have to go in there, I have to cancel those vows and those, and I have to plant new fruit in there so he produce new fruit. And... I mean, that if people just grab that function right there, just deliverance begins in the home between a husband and his wife and a father and his daughter. That's where deliverance begins. If people <laughs> if people would wow. grab that principle right there, the prayer lines would shorten probably 50%. I would probably even say maybe even 75%. Right. Because, you know, the, the congregations are filled with women. So that tells me there's a lot of husbandmen or, you know, or a lot of uh, gardens that need to be cultivated. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. A lot of gardens and, and not enough farmers. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Right? I mean, and and uh, it's a horrible thing to say, but that was odd to me. You know, I, I've been married for 21 years, but... You know, my because I wasn't raised in the Torah, and I never seen my father handle my mother like that. Right. I seen I seen my father, you know, talk her down, but I never seen him build build her up. Right. You know, I mean, I I never I never was he never pulled me to the side and said, "Hey, man, when it comes to your wife, your responsibility is this, and this is how you're going to handle her, this is how you're going to cope." I wasn't taught that. I wasn't right. taught that. You know, so my my wife had a very uh, long, has some long suffering to go through 
dealing with someone who didn't know those principles. And so I'm like, look, we could save some pe- some people's marriages. We could save some people some time, a lot of heartache and a lot of divorce if, you know, if we get men, if we get our men to just humble up long enough and say, look, I'm going to stop being selfish. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> I'm going to stop being yeah. selfish and be like um, when Yudhe Bafé planted a dom in a garden, and he said, look, I'm going to plant you in the garden so that you can protect and guard her. Right. I want mm. you to work this. I want you to work this land. And then Peter says, I know you ain't going to sit there and get on your knees and be praying when, you, when your wife's sitting over in the corner cursing your name. Right. <laughs> Man. But we... I mean, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, but I, I think a lot of us Unfortunately, like you said, sad to say, a lot of us live in that space and think it's normal. Think that that's that's how we're supposed to, you know, function and and move through life. Because um, we don't. Again, a lot of our people don't even uh, they reject the Torah, but then I don't even think most of our people even know what what the Torah is. Unfortunately, um, I don't think they know. They they may know. You know, Adam, they, they may they may know the Exodus story. Uh, they may know a little bit um, about Moses. But outside of that, I mean, they don't they don't understand the principles that are in there and they don't understand the literal step by step down to the smallest detail of how we ought to live is in those first five books um, of our Bible. I don't think they get that. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I know that because I didn't get it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it wasn't taught where I came from. I mean, in, in the Kojic church and the deliverance movement, I mean, I think more, more emphasis was put on Paul and speaking in tongues and laying on hands than it was, how do you out of function in life? I wish those things are important, but, um, I don't, I don't think they should serve as most important. Um, yeah. And I, 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 those, those things be the areas of, of my challenge too. Um, you go into a house, they're speaking in tongues, they're rolling on the floor, you know, they don't have their spiritual, um, you know, their spiritual fix for the day. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you come along and say, okay, you got your spiritual fix, but once you walk out this door, right, you still got to <laughs> deal with you. You still have to deal with you. Mm-hmm. You, you, you. You know, you was encouraged by that spiritual fix. You had your, you know, your emotional high, but you still haven't dealt with that bitterness. You still haven't dealt with that unforgiveness. Oh, and did I forget to tell you? Um, your husband did not lose you from that uh, debt that you put mm. on your soul when you came in here. Yeah, so you came in here and your soul was in debt. You're going to leave out when your soul's in debt because your husband's sitting on the pew with his arms back while you're sitting there playing, you know, spiritual uh, hokey pokey. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, putting your left foot in and your right foot out. Look, <laughs> get to the principle. Get to the principle of the matter, and right. that's 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 a hard it's a hard sell. It's a really hard sell to say, sober up, just sober up, and just be really real, just be really practical about this thing. And this is probably going to be the most uh, egregious, ugly thing that you've ever had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, "What is it? It's you." <laughs> 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 what is this thing I have to do with? Yourself. Yourself. You don't have to deal with yourself. 
because you know we no longer can we pass it on half the time. We're giving them way too much power. Way, way too, too much, much power. <laughs> Absolutely. We had um I had a conversation with a coworker. I'm always trying to slip stuff in when I can. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, the whole thing about <clears throat> just giving, you know, hot time too much power, the whole thing about, you know, the, the whole Cody Bryant thing came up and, mm-hmm. he was like, you know, somebody mentioned, well, you know, if it's your time to go, you know, uh, the most high take you. I don't even know if that person, I don't, I don't know the person that said that. I don't know what the background is or whatever. Uh, but my mm-hmm. coworker got upset and indignant and said, no, God doesn't kill anybody. I said, what? God don't mm-hmm. kill nobody. I said, well, who kills people then? The devil. I'm like, man, you crazy. I said, I said, did the devil flood the earth? Did he destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? I don't think so. Um, so I, I think you're right. We give Hasatan too much credit. And he, he becomes a scapegoat. He becomes mm-hmm. a scapegoat to all of our problems, all of our dysfunction. Um, mm-hmm. And you also say about the, the principles of our forefathers. Like we've neglected that. We've moved away from that. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if we ought to be Number one, I guess, what are the principles of our forefathers, if you can unpack that? And then, you know, what's wrong with the principles that we're learning now? I know we could probably spend two or three hours talking about that. So if you could, you know, condense it. <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, Malachi says he's going to turn the hearts of the father back to the father. So we know mm-hmm. that that, prophet, that prophetic word is out there in Malachi that he has to get us to come back to those ancient foundations. We already know that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you and I do. But trying to get um <laughs> I was just having a conversation with my wife yesterday. Um trying to get us to look two thousand years back is, mm. is 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 almost crazy. I was yeah. sitting there talking to my wife and I I, <laughs> I was saying to her, because we was watching um a, a movie that you know and had like, you know, the fifties, sixties. I said I said it's I said it's hard for me to put myself in my father's shoes and think about a world where, you know, you actually had to work these things, where where you didn't have the ease of microwaves, you didn't have right. the ease of that we have right now. I said, and that's just one generation back. I said, could you I think I said and and so the generation gap, as they call it, happens when, you know, my son raises up and he says, you know, Dad, you just oh, you don't know and <laughs> we don't know that you know, like, I didn't know. I said that to the same with my father. And so right. imagine now you're trying to get people to go back 2,000 years. I mean, you can't get people to, to to put themselves in the shoes of their grandparents. Now, if they just put themselves in the shoes of the grandparents, let's just, let's just say we go back to our grandparents and you had the sock hops, you know, and the funky chicken, you know. Right, right. <laughs> it wasn't twerking. Right. Panties. Right. That's just that's just a couple of generations back. Yeah, it's not that far back. You're right. That's not far back. If we go back just a couple of generations, we end up putting our clothes on. Think mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Just a couple of generations. It, it makes us put our clothes on. You go back a couple more generations, it cleans up our mouth. You know. Mm. So so just just as 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 we. As we look at our generation, and this is prophetic, you know, um, you said, you know, we're going to come into a time when uh, it'd be lawlessness. We expect that. Right. So as we keep going forward in this um, life of infirmity, life of iniquity, we're getting further and further away from these principles. And so 
when we go to a house and we teach and when we talk to people and say, hey, look, we got to go all the way back to the garden because that mm-hmm. was their message, right? That was yeah. Noah's message. Noah's message was like, look, we got to get back to the garden. You know, right. that was Abraham's message. We got to get back to the garden. You know, we're saying, let's just at least get back to 2,000 years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's we get back to Yeshua. <laughs> you know, we're not <laughs> I mean that. I mean, you're doing really good just to get people out from one generation. Because like, you go into a house now, and you say, "Yeah, you know, the the women are supposed to be submissive, and you know, your kids should be talking back like that." And they're mm. like, "What? What?" Yeah, they don't know that. They don't even know that word. <laughs> can I have? Can, I have to ask your. I have to ask your opinion because I respect. I, I expect your opinion on current events. Mm-hmm. But I have to hear. What is your perspective on? Dwayne Wade going around talking about he gives he's given his child this understanding on his her transition. Have right. you heard about that? I have. So uh me me and my wife have talked extensively about that. Um only because both of our or all three of our children um will eventually be in public school. One is in private school now, she she's about to transition into uh public school. But and we know that idea <clears throat> is not it's not just out there, but it's actually taught in the public schools now. Mm-hmm. Um, not mm-hmm. necessarily where we're at. We're in Tennessee, so we're it's a red state. So I mean, it it'll get here, but it ain't here yet. Um, but we know mm-hmm. it it'll it'll eventually get here. Um, I think I, I can't say for sure. Just all the interviews that I've watched, I can't say for sure that I believe that he believes what he's saying. Just by the way he tries to explain it, mm-hmm. I believe that he um, he says he's known this since apparently since his his son is um, three years old, um, and I say son because that's what the Most High Most High uh, created him as a as a boy, not as a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll keep that that vernacular. But he's known since his son was three years old that there was an issue. Now I'm trying to figure out how does a three year old know anything about sexuality, gender, all this other stuff. Come um, on. His son is 11 or 12, year, 12 years old now. So that so in between age three and 10, what happened where first you suppress it and you try to teach your boy to be a boy. But now all of a sudden, um, and I'm not using Gabrielle Union as a scapegoat, but you get with Gabrielle Union. Now, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. your boy becomes a girl and you mm-hmm. start calling him a her. Um, and you allow him to change his name from um, to Zion to to Zaya. Um, I think it's a lot of pressure uh, in that situation that comes from the outside world, um, mm-hmm. especially when you're an athlete. You're trying to sell T-shirts. You're trying to sell shoes to a very Western Westernized culture um, that accepts everything from you know. Uh, uh, homosexuality, transgenderness, and all these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I think it's a slippery slope. Um, and I believe, like I've been saying, that with, from the start of the whole incident, I don't know if you remember the incident in North Carolina when the NBA decided not to have the All-Star game there because the governor there would not pass a bill to allow transgender women, which means a, a man who now identifies as a woman, to use mm-hmm. the women's bathroom. So the NBA said, that's wrong. We're not coming to your state. Mm. So that's why I see. So if you're teaching your your son now that he's a woman, Mm. 
number one, I think it's pressure from the outside. Number two, you're you're further confusing your child. Me and my wife said every I, I was born in single single parent home. There's been many a times I remember walking in my mother's high heels. My mother did not take that information as, oh, Yemiyahu wants to be a woman, so I'm going to train him up as a woman. He's like, no, boy, get out of them high heels in your mother's shoes. That's not what boys do. You have your own shoes. That's not a man thing. You be a man. Mm-hmm. Let mama be a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as time has moved on, as you said, generations have passed, it's acceptable now in this generation um, to 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 muddle the genders. So we have men wearing purses. We have men wearing skirts. Um, but apparently they're still men. Um, I don't know how that works. And then you have people like Dwayne Wade who allows his son to become a, a little girl, his young, his young man to become a young woman. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like 20, 30 years from now. Uh, I, I was reading an article where, and there's also, I believe it's on Vice. Um, that's like a documentary show where it shows that, that a lot, unfortunately, a lot of these transgender children, when they become older, have difficulty because now they understand that they were taught the wrong thing. And they, mm. and although they were raised to be a boy raised to be a girl, now they want to be a man or they were mm. a boy, a girl raised to be a boy. Now they want to be a girl again. Um, because again, their, their, their parents saw something or, or took something and ran with it. And now that they're older, they realize that's just not biologically, that's not right. And my mind is telling me that, yes, I am a man. Yes, I am a woman. Um, and I want to go back to that. So unfortunately, as they get older, they deal with the mirage of different crazy stuff. Um, some of them, you know, unfortunately take their lives. Um, and a lot of them just deal with a lot of just stuff that they shouldn't have to deal with if if their parents would just be their parents and tell them, Hey, you're not a boy, you're a girl, you're not a girl, you're a boy. Um, yeah, it's a, it is a, it's a, it's not complicated if you're just looking at scripture and saying, man, that's wrong, do the right thing. But then when you add on culture, um, you add on somebody's salary and bills and family pressure and all <laughs> that, it becomes, it, it becomes way more difficult than we want to give it credit for. Right. That. And so it becomes an emotional and spiritual conflict. Mm, yeah. Because you're trying to, you're trying to appease two worlds. Yep. And so, um, the black and white principles of the Torah is not popular. Exactly. And the only way you're going to come into what Father has called you to do, your purpose, your potential, your providence, is not by trying to be um, a friend to everybody and um, cool with everybody and making everybody happy. Right. <laughs> he said, I didn't come to bring peace. Right. There's going to be a sword here. You know, and so stepping and I'm not talking about I'm not talking about getting getting baptized, getting saved, getting filled with the Ruach, flowing in the Ruach, doing your call, doing your purpose, doing your purpose. I'm not talking about the whole entire gospel walk. I'm Mm. just saying making a decision to step into function has become a conflict. Man. How far away have we gotten, brother? (laughs) Very far. Very far. That is crazy. Crazy. It's madness. And so I 
I know that I know that my message is not going to be a message to the masses. I know this is going to be a message that's going to be to a very specific, small, rare group because I think this is a decision. This is a decision that I think a lot of people who have came into the walk, came into the way, um, or you want to call it the truth, um, right? People have made this decision, may have made a decision based on popularity, hatred, right. um, mm-hmm. things that are conducive to their flesh, but was never taught that we need to die to the flesh. And some of the things that you actually came into or the reasons why you came into may have been the wrong motive. Absolutely. So I know it's not going to be popular. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have that discussion at my job. I have a few um, Hebrews that are at my job. Um, they're part of the one West, uh, the more aggressive side of it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we go, but we go back and forth all day, man. Obviously there's, there's minute things we agree with in the law, statute, commandments and whatnot, but then how to, um, how to share that information. We strongly disagree on that. Because <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, they, they come straight out of their flesh. Not everybody, just the, 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 mm-hmm. these particular people come straight out of their flesh. There's hatred, there's anger. And I'm like, man, you realize that's your flesh, like robberies and, and, and dissensions and, and fits of rage and all that stuff. Like we're told not to do that. We're told you're not going to get into the kingdom doing that. So why do you keep doing that? Uh, you, mm-hmm. you keep talking about, you know, the two thirds like that. You're a part of that. If you keep doing that as you. Um, and like you said, I, I think they refuse to they don't want to look themselves in the mirror because now they're stuck. Even even if they disagree, I, I believe this wholeheartedly, even if some of them start to disagree with some of their camps, or some of their assemblies, they're in there now and they're stuck. So now they got to put on this persona of, man, I'm this extra, super aggressive Hebrew, 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 Hebrew. And, you know, everybody, all these all these all these Esau's should be kissing my feet like, no. Uh, that ain't the way it works. Uh, my more was saying we're, <laughs> we're in this series now just about, um, the humble spirit in my assembly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how, you know, pride is one of the, the number one reasons why we have some of these jokers on the street corner telling folks to kiss their boots when brother, you mm-hmm. messed up. Like the world is in chaos because, because Israel is out of function. Come on. Our fault. Like you should be walking in that, not, Hey, Esau kissed my boot. Like that's way okay, so, off where we should be. <laughs> so if if I failed my son mm-hmm. in, in rearing in in my rearing of him, and I failed him, I should apologize to him and say, "Hey, you know what? I failed. I didn't give you the message that you were supposed to be getting. Yep. I failed my brother. <laughs> yeah, yep. my brother. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. I didn't give you the message that I was supposed to be giving. But if I failed a stranger." They should kiss my boots. Right. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're clear on, a, on how it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, man, you talk about uh, a lot about Torah. So we, we've talked a lot about Torah here. And I think the main issue is that our ancestors are Eastern people from an Eastern mindset, an Eastern culture, a Hebraic thought, all this stuff is Eastern. Um I had a, I just had a conversation with a, a friend of mine who is still Christian about the um, the book of Matthew and all these things. You know, was it written in Greek? Was it written in Hebrew? Um, either way, I say even if it was written in Greek, it was written by Hebrew. So it may be Greek letters, but it's still 
a Hebrew, it's still an Eastern thought. It's, it's maybe yeah. Western letters, but he still had Eastern thought behind that. Um, yes. What What are your challenges with kind of teaching Torah, sharing Torah with the Westernized Hellenistic world? Like, how how do you do that? How do you explain to somebody from the Western world how an Eastern book is supposed to be dissected? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I When I go into any assembly or any house or wherever I'm sharing, if it's individually or one-on-one, I try to meet people where they are. Mm. Um, I just try to just let's see what you know. Let them talk. Just let them talk. Just let them talk. Find their place of passion because that's where their anointing is. Just mm. Find their place of passion. Um, it, I mean, some people kind of just love the temple. I just love everything about the temple, and you know, and you know, some you know, some Christians are like that, and you know, some people just like I just I just love everything about that. You know, find that place of passion, and then say, have we ever looked at it from this perspective? Right. You know, keep keep them in their world. You know, keep them in their safety, keep them in their comfort zone, but then say, um, but have we ever looked at it from this perspective? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying maybe we need to put this thing on the other side and see what the other side is and then right. ease them in and then ease them in. And the only reason why I am, I use that method is because that's the method that was used with me. And we did, we have had, we did have other, you know, people come to our community um, and, and teach, you know, when I was well, way back in the day before we crossed over, you know, but that ideal of just saying, Hey yo, instead of trying to pound pound a new thing in you, let's just meet you where you are. I mean, we should be so equipped, right? We should be so equipped in the Torah if we have a good foundation. You know, if we have good foundational teachings, we should be able to take any piece of that Bible and then say, "Well, here is it from a Hebrew perspective. Here it is right. from you know from here how the Messiah shows us from a Hebrew perspective. Here how you know Father sees it from a, this how the prophets see it." You know, from a human perspective, and if there's any area of the the, the Tanakh that I that would probably be weakened, it would be the areas of prophets. But you know, we're talking about people who are usually not that schooled. You know, right, um, right. Between between wisdom, between wisdom and the ruach, we should be we should be killing it. I mean, we really should be killing it. And so, you know, getting past that Hellenistic thing, I mean, jeez, I mean, just imagine. We're living in the same culture and the same world that Yeshua was living in. Yeah. You know, a, a culture where they had a a God for every single day of the week. Yes. And a holiday for every single day of the week. And as 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 we're even having this recording, it's uh it's Pets Day on National Honor Your Pets Day. You know, and day for <laughs> that was you know Honor Your Donut Day. You know, and it's just, right. It's like, do we have to have something every day to turn it into a holiday? And that's exactly what that culture that issue grew up in, you know, that he, you know, had to, he was bound to, you know. Right. So it is possible. Um, so we, when talking about Torah, we can't, we can't get away from, you know, how the, you know, most Bibles translate it into the law. So they translate Torah yeah. to the law, which we know those are two different things. Uh, once yeah. you learn that, you know, the law, the Torah, the law is in the Torah, but it's not the totality um, right. of Torah. Uh, but you, you, you teach the law, yet 
um, you also say we're no longer under the law. So it's kind of like the same, <laughs> it's the same conundrum that Paul's in, right? So, so Paul is a law-abiding citizen from birth to death. Yeah. Yeah. Yet we get to some of his teachings, and it's and he's saying, "Hey, you're no longer under this law." So, so how do we, how do you reconcile those two things? Um, I I, I noticed in, in my experience, you know. Um, in the last 15 years, what I've, what I've noticed is on both sides of the communities, whether mm-hmm. Christianese or Hebrewese, whatever you want to be, right. um, there is a misunderstanding on that phrase. Absolutely. And I, I have a, I have a, the most popular video on my YouTube is a video called, We're No Longer Under the Law, People. You know, mm-hmm. it's the most popular video that I have. And it's the most, uh, one of the most comments. I get the most backlash from that video <laughs> from both sides. Uh-huh. You know, no matter what side it is. Um, because in it I am saying we need to keep the Torah and the whole nine, but at the same time, I'm saying we need to walk in the spirit. And so the way I rectify it, the best way that I can explain it is I teach it like, okay, we're under, we're not under the law. So when we were given the commandments, it wasn't because there was something wrong with the commandments. There was something wrong with the law. It was something wrong with our heart. Absolutely. Because because of the state of our heart, and when we read in Exodus chapter 16, he says, you know, I'm just doing this to test you guys, to see if you guys are going to do what you're supposed to do. And then in Exodus chapter 19, obviously, we couldn't. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you guys these commandments. And so it was never designed to be on tablets of stone. It was never designed to be on the outside of it. It was always designed to be on the inside of it. It was always designed right. to be flown in a ruach. And so getting people to understand that being on the law isn't a bad thing. Right. You know, if you, if, if you uh, just came off of, you know, smoking meth, no, I don't think I should leave you alone in a room full of meth. <laughs> Correct. You know? You need to be monitored for a while. So that will be being under the law, having the monitor there. You know, you need to have that monitor there. Um, I remember when I, you know, first trying to keep, trying to keep cush root, you know, uh, <laughs> trying to keep cush root. I didn't have that person to spank my hand and say, okay, you're not going to have that junior bacon cheeseburger. Right. You know, you're not going to have, you're not going to have that. You know, I didn't have that person to spank my hand, but that's, that's an example of someone who needs to be under the law because you know, they have not, the, they don't have the confidence in the rule. Right. They're still at a place of infirmity, and so they don't have a firmness of faith, and they're not firm about their convictions, and so they're not able to walk in the spirit right. <laughs> of that command. And so they need for a season to be under the law. Now, this is, this is where it gets crazy. And, uh, this, this, uh, I had, I had a few, you know, in 2000, maybe 2009 or 2010, you know, I stepped away from my father's congregation. And, you know, since then I've been, you know, have my own congregation. And, uh, in that process, I've seen individuals who were leaders fall into the lust of the flesh. Mm-hmm. And I had to, I had to actually ask, um, you know, father, I said, you know, how, how, how does it happen? Like these guys are, you know, well, you know, taught in the Torah. How do they fall in the right. life of the flesh? And what he revealed to me was Galatians 
when, or Galatians, you know, uh, when um, Paul says, you know, we're no longer under the law. You know, you know, you could be under the law, but you need to walk in the flesh, you know. I mean, walk in the spirit, because you need to walk right. in the spirit. And the verbiage there just stood out to me. And what stood out about the verbiage was, it was, it was almost a warning to say, if you are trying to keep the Torah in your flesh, okay, if I try to keep the Torah in my flesh and not in the spirit, that means I'm sowing the seed of flesh. Right. Wow, that was really easy. Okay, so if I walk in the Torah by the flesh like like the Hasidics do, you know, like yeah. people who go to yeah. church every week, they go to church in their flesh. If you sow to the flesh, let's see. If I sow an apple seed, I should produce an yeah. apple. Mm-hmm. So if I sow flesh, I should reap flesh. flesh. And so, so, so he warns us. He says, "Hey, look, you can't do this in your flesh because the result of that is death. Mm. You have to, you have to walk this thing out by the Spirit because as you continue to keep walking this out in your flesh by your own willpower." What eventually happen is you're going to fall to the fruit of that flesh. Now, the fruit of the flesh, you know, yeah. <laughs> are manifest, which are these. <laughs> adultery. Yeah. You know, you're like, yeah. okay, well, but I was keeping the Torah. How did I fall in adultery? Okay, so what spirit were you keeping the Torah? Right. Were you keeping the Torah because of obligation, because of will, because elders said I have to do this? Was it really right. your heart? Were you just trying to, you know, suppress that demon because you didn't want to deal with that demon? Did you actually come into a place of the principles in your soul? Did the principles connect with your soul to the point that you say, you know what? I need to be set free from this. Or were you just trying to suppress that demon by saying, I'm just going to wear longer tassels and I'm going to judge everybody else. I'm going to hold everybody <laughs> else accountable and I'm going to hold everybody else responsible. And, and I, oh, oh, I, I'm not only just, uh, not only just cuss root, I'm going to go all the way to, you know, no, no meat. I'm going to go even vegan. I'm going to go past vegan. I'm going to go to now you're having no food. I'm going to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs> Look, you will fast in 40 days and 40 nights and come out a demon. Man. Yes. Excuse the analogy. But <laughs> you, you're not changed. And so, um, that's what I was seeing happen. I was seeing that even though we were keeping principles and they looked good on the outside, um, <laughs> that infirmity right. and that iniquity, it still mm-hmm. lingered. You know, and, and I mean, right now, we're at, we're in a great season. You and I are able to go into, pick a community anywhere in the world. Yeah. And say, here is a different type of deliverance that's not being taught. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about how many, show many, laying on the ground, rolling the floor. And right. I'm not saying that stuff is wrong. I'm saying how about for once we look into the soul and say, what is the principle that's making your soul feel, watch this, confused? Mm. Why is your soul confused? And we know the Torah says your soul can be confused. Yeah. Certain sexual acts will cause confusion in your soul. We'll call perversion in your soul. Absolutely. We want to deal with that. Do we want to deal with that? Do we want to deal with it? But we have to. We, we have, have to, to, yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's really getting to the spirit of the principles and not just, you know, being under 
the law, doing it because someone else said I do it, do it out of obligation, do it because, you know, do it externally or a flesh-keeping act. You don't have to really get into the spirit of the law, the Torah, spirit of the Torah. Gotcha. So um, we talk a lot about, you know, the spirit, you know, um, the Ruach, HaKadosh, uh, and a lot of people, um, you gave it. You just gave a great, um, you know, analogy and, and teaching of, you know, under the law, under the spirit, spirit of the Torah. But a lot of people claim to be spiritual. Mm. Um, we have a lot of these spiritual movements mm. uh, and we know a lot of them have nothing to do with the Ruach, whether it's mm. uh, whether it's Kabbalah, whether it's yoga, whether it's these different kind of meditations. That's not the meditation that David told us to do, you know, meditate on the on the on the word, on the scriptures day and night to see other kind of weird meditation that's going on. Um, you go, we got sweatshops and all these other different things people trying to try to connect with their spirit. Um, what, in your opinion, what is, what is the spirit and why does it matter? The spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I feel the Ruach Hapo that's the set apart spirit um, will function or direct us back Towards function, mm. um, it's not gonna. Um, I I teach um, that the ruach or grace, grace, is the empowerment to keep the Torah. And it's very mm. interesting that grace or, or ruach um, has the same characteristic that lines up with a woman, because a woman is seen as grace or ruach in the mm-hmm. family unit. The, the male represents the law. The woman represents grace. Of course, the child represents servants. So, true ruach. And I say this to my, well, my children are all grown. But at the time when my children were younger and still in the house, you know, I would have to challenge my wife constantly and say, all right, in your decision, allowing that to happen as grace, are you empowering your children to keep the commands, to keep my law? Mm. Are you empowering them to break the commands, my law? Wow. And so when we have true ruach, when we have true ruach, it's going to empower you to keep the Torah. And it's going to empower you not only to keep the Torah, but it's going to empower you to keep the spirit of the Torah. Because so we just want to go past um, just the letter of the Torah. You know, the letter of the Torah is good. I'm not against it. But right. we get past just the letter of it and say, well, what was the heart behind it? Why is it so necessary? Why is it so necessary that I go and have this experience of breaking vows and oaths with my wife? Because your wife is sitting in the corner dying, bro. She's dying <laughs> in your house. Man. And it's not, it's not about whether you, whether she picks a blue plate, blue plate or a black plate and you say, I cancel, I cancel that and you're going to do what I say. It's bigger than that. What what is Man. that seed of rebellion in her soul? And so Ruach, Ruach, true Ruach is going to say, I'm going to make you deal with some things that make you so uncomfortable. It's going to put such a demand on your soul. But it's necessary. necessary it should produce yeah. an action. It should produce an action. Um, and we, when we teach the gospel chart, we always want to teach that, you know, we get to a place of hearing, get to a place of, you know, doing those things in like Hebrews chapter 11, each individual, you know, they're, 
each individual, they had this uh, command that was given, which we call like a living command. We call it like a living command. It wasn't written in the Torah, but there was just something that they were called to do. Mm-hmm. And um, even though we're not called to build a boat, we could see that the Ruach, you know, was pressed on Noah to build that boat, to build that ark. And so that true Ruach should produce an action, and that action should, it sounds controversial, it should affirm your faith. It should make you right. firm. It should make you firm. Coming to a place of firmness, as it said in Hebrews chapter 11, you know. Right. Because, I mean, we can't can't have faith and action work together. Cool. Yeah. Abraham was called faithful because he he was about to take the knife to Isaac. I mean, I mean, it doesn't get any. Can't get past that. If he didn't go up to Mount Moriah and he didn't bind his son, he wouldn't be called faithful. No, we're talking about emotional spiritual conflict. You love your son. You (laughs) love this. You love the thing you're about to kill. Yeah. But you you have to love you have to love the person who told you to kill him more. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I'm willing to die to the love that I have for my only son. Mm. We don't even respect it. We don't respect it, bro. You get me excited. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I think uh yeah, I love just the I don't I don't think we understand I don't think it's taught enough about functionality. I don't think it's taught enough about Torah. I don't think it's taught enough about the spirit and just how um, cause, cause we, I guess we were taught in the Christian side of it that, you know, the spirit didn't come until Pentecost. They don't even understand yeah. that Pentecost is actually in Torah and that's a feast yeah. and, uh, that no, Abraham had to have had, um, the spirit in order to kill his son. Like you can't, you can't do that in your flesh. Um, mm-hmm. Noah can't build a boat and it's, he's, he doesn't even know what rain looks like. He didn't know what a flood mm. is. Nobody does. Mm. You can't do mm. that in your flesh. Cause you're gonna, some, you're gonna, eventually you're gonna be like, man, forget this. It's stupid. I'm getting sick of these folks talking about me. This is dumb. I quit. Like, that's your flesh. Your flesh is always gonna tell you to quit when it gets hard. Every single time. Um, and, and add to it, be out there looking like a fool. Yeah. Preaching, preaching for 120 years that this thing is about to happen. <laughs> And I heard a, I heard a, um, I heard, I think, I think it may have been a Seventh Day Adventist. I heard a, I heard a Seventh Day Adventist say a perspective which was very interesting. And it was, uh, he said, uh, what if, um, hypothetically speaking, what if he may have started with a whole congregation? Everybody was like, I'm on board. I believe you. The righteous ones was with him. Mm. After 120 years, keep preaching this thing and no, it's not happening. What if it dwindled down to just his family? <laughs> man. Hey, that's, that's very possible, man. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, that's, that's very, very possible. That's very possible. Cause, uh, when you think about people who preach it for 10 years and that congregation will dwindle down. Yes, it will. Cause even reading, um, <laughs> Josephus, and we know that's not, you know, uh, it's not inspired writing, but still Josephus says like, man, Noah was a, a leader of the people. And we don't know how many mm-hmm. people, but he mm-hmm. says, you know, he was a leader of the people. You know, Abraham taught Enoch, Enoch taught Noah, and Noah taught whomever he was teaching. Um, mm-hmm. At some point, it only ended up being eight folks or seven people, including himself, mm-hmm. that got on that boat. Crazy. So uh, crazy. Yeah, that, that is a crazy perspective. Um, <laughs> listen, I know you're busy. I don't want to keep you longer. Um, I can ask 10 a million more questions because uh, this is good. I love about 
Torah and functionality and spirit. And I, I love it all, brother. Um, mm-hmm. After this, I'm definitely going to have to get um, get you in contact with Mal Moray. Um, we got to get you down to Tennessee, man. Folks need to hear I appreciate this. it. Uh, folks appreciate definitely need to hear this. Um, but tell us how, if, if people want to get in contact with you, if they want to get your book, um, if they if they want you to come out, tell us tell us where to go to get in contact with you um, to purchase your book and to um, and to get you to to their assemblies. Um, well, thank you, uh, thank you again for having me on. And I, I am I've been over a, a congregation called the House of Israel, Ohio, um, for eight or nine years now. So I recently. Um, was released from that assignment just long enough to kind of get this message beyond the four walls of my community. Mm-hmm. So if people are patient with me, I'm in the process of rebranding and reestablishing um, just a personal identity. But right now, I still use the House of Israel Ohio YouTube. I still use the House of Israel Ohio Facebook. Um, I use um, soulbondage.com is um, – the book site, and eventually um, there will be another site, you know, more personally. Um, but for now, soulbondage.com has the book on there. It has like a little small book now form. Uh, I tell people I am really more so trying to not take on people's, you know, Sabbath or, or Sunday morning. I'm really just trying to get into those more intimate settings, mm-hmm. you know, where we can have the dialogue. Because usually when we get into those, uh, opportunities where you're, what's it called, monologuing. Yeah. You know, you end up getting to more of a motivational rap. Right. So when we start dialoguing, um, then, you know, it goes to a whole other level. So the book is definitely a good starting point. The book is like my business card. Just kind of see <laughs> is that crazy or safe or not. But then, yeah. I'm going to try to do something really different. I have about three, I have three more A's who's interested. I'm I'm in the process of turning the HousesOfOhio.com website into a teachable format where it just offers classes in different subject matter and just those different schools of thought and just being in one place. Um, and I, I say classes, I'm saying this this is this is uh, people really in love with YouTube. Let's just take what we're doing there and just add some more um, accountability, responsibility, a little more workshops, a little bit more. Um, hey, let's make sure you're getting this, you know, a little, a little more hands on. Uh-huh. Um, so that's in the process. So, you know, I've only been doing this since maybe just the beginning of sewing season. So gotcha. if everybody's patient with me, um, you know, and, 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 and just, you know, keep using soulbondage.com and the House of Ohio stuff and, you know, brothers like you giving us opportunities, man. I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Like, I keep following what you're doing. You. You're just really impressive. Thank you. Thank you. All praise to the most high, brother. Um, I just, just like you, I just saw a need and I was like, man, I can feel that. So mm-hmm. let me just go ahead and do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so thank you again for coming on. Um, you are, like you said, you can go to the um, House of Israel, Ohio, as well as mm-hmm. soulbondage.com. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you again for coming on. Uh, stay on the call when I end. So, um, we can talk a little bit more about, you know, how to get you to Tennessee because my people need to hear this. All right. We need to hear this. All right. All right. Uh, so thank you again. Thank you all for joining in to uh, Jacob C. Podcast. Um, 
and uh, continue to uh, share the love with all your brothers and sisters. Share this episode. And as always, uh, seek truth, live it out and inform others. Thank you for listening to another episode of Jacob Seed Podcast. We ask that you subscribe, like, and review, as well as share this podcast on whatever platform that you're listening to this on. Have you ever wondered how to be a part of the show? You can call in to the podcast voicemail at 901-300-7474. Leave your comment and question, and we will play it on the next episode of Jacob Seed Podcast. Also, if you go to our Instagram page at JacobC12 or the host page at Yermayahu15 on Instagram or Twitter and press the link, you can find ways on how to support this podcast. You don't have a social media account? That's perfectly fine. You can go to linktr.ee forward slash JacobC12 to find more ways on how to support this podcast. We thank you. We appreciate you. We love you. And remember... Seek truth, live it out, and inform others. Shalom.